listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Good days. Welcome to the Good Days Podcast. I'm here with uh, 12 Stone Pastor, Director of the Residency Program, Andy Brightbill. How are you doing, bro? Doing well, Charlie. How are you? Hey, uh, Doc Shiggs is not with us today. He's out and about doing his thing, so he's not in town. Well, I'm happy to at least attempt to fill his shoes. Well, you know, filling Doc Shiggs' shoes is, is a big deal, but you can talk about something that is not a part of his like real like DNA. I'm excited to hear what what it is we're we're going to be jumping into. College football. I would love to talk about college football. So we all know that uh, uh you are down there in the ATL. I am in in the heart of SEC country. So the heart of SEC country, 12 Stone. How many campuses does 12 Stone have? We have eight campuses. Uh, as it stands right now, as well as something called 12 Stone Home, yeah, which is helping to equip people all over the country to engage with us online, yes, but use that as a springboard to reach people who don't know Jesus. Uh, like they, they may be uncomfortable coming to a church, but they're comfortable coming to mm-hmm. somebody's living room or a tap room or something, and that we're we're seeing really cool things happen through that as well. I, I've been to multiple recordings at 12 Stone Home. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But like it's a blast. you're. You're in SEC country. Yeah, like like way in it. Like there's all those Georgia fans there. Yes. I'm uh, talking about them because I am not a Georgia fan myself. I don't know if you can tell by the sound of my voice. I am not a Southerner. <laughs> uh, but, man, we've got uh, the Georgia Bulldogs there in Athens. Of two, course. Two-time defending champions. Yes. And then we border Alabama and Tennessee and Florida. All of it. It's just, I mean, it, honestly, Charlie, you're a Big Ten guy. So, yes, I am, and Eddie will talk about this, but um, I'm a fan of the team that has the largest stadium, the the most wins in NCAA history, the Michigan Wolverines, but... Well, everybody's got flaws, and uh, that's okay. That's I know, part of what we're talking about today, right? I know that you're a fan of the Penn State Nittly Lions. I am a lifelong Penn State fan. Real optimistic about the season. Yeah, you are. New uh, quarterback, Drew Aller, looking good through three games. Got two real talented running backs. Yes. And uh, I think a pretty filthy defense. Well, you know, uh, some people say you have the best running back uh, tandem in the country, except for Michigan. Well, the good news is, Charlie, (laughs) the good news is that on Saturday, November 11th. That's right. In Happy Valley. In Happy Valley. We're going to find out. How our two teams uh, stack up against one another. Well, we found out last year. That's I don't want to talk about last or year. Or the year last before. Year, last year is last year. <laughs> last year is last year, Charlie. Well, Michigan's, you know, back-to-back Big Ten champions, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then they ran into that buzzsaw, TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, Michigan literally dropped the ball. Well, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the game. Wow. I don't want to keep talking about that either. Yeah, we'll but, skip that. Yeah, but we'll, right. mad respect to Penn State. Thank you. I remember Thank they you. came in the Big Ten. I'm a big. I I always respected Penn State. 
Joe Paul. I mean, always. A lot of good history. Love the fact. Why don't they wear their, their name on the back of their jerseys? So if you go to Penn State, you mm-hmm. go to a Penn State game, there is a, there is a cheer that we do uh, in Beaver Stadium at Penn State where half the stadium yells, we are, and the other half of the stadium yells, Penn State. And yes. they exchange that back and forth. And it's because not one of us is more important than all of us. Yeah. And so we are Penn State. And so we go without the names on the jerseys because it's not about the individual. It's about the team. Yeah, that's what I love. I, that's the one part about Penn State I really like, always have liked. Because my uh, favorite coach of all time, Bo Schembechler, mm-hmm. we talk about the team, the mm-hmm. team, the team. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's kind of weird. It's like people are saying, "What this podcast is about youth ministry. It's like, yes, it is. And we're in season three, That's which cool. is pretty cool. It is. And uh, season three, the title of season three is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, can, I can talk at least about two of those three things. Well, we're, we're talking about, hey, how do we learn from mistakes? Yeah. And uh, we're going to see how our teams respond to mistakes last week, even though they both won. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I kind of mix it up here a little bit because you have a lot of experience in youth ministry, in pastoral ministry, and I, so you've I been I was there. A, I was a student pastor for a number of years. I've been in pastoral mm-hmm. ministry now for for twenty plus years. Yes, and what I get to do now is help coach and develop uh, young people on the front end of their ministry career journey. Yeah, and so it's a blast. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, down at Twelve Stone, I. What I teach our residents, I either learn from Dan Ryland or I learn from messing it up myself the first time. Yeah. Wow. Mistakes, uh, failure, all yeah. of that goes yeah. into if we can learn from them mm-hmm. and make in in game adjustments. And so if we can go with that football theme. Um, I'm just gonna kick it off and and uh, I'll tell you some of the biggest mistakes I made in ministry. Nobody really saw. It wasn't till yes. later on that it's like. My, I, I mean, I could see it now, and it's like, whoa, that that was a bad move. Well, you know, I, you know, you, when you told me what we were talking about today, yeah, I started thinking through the events and and the external things that I did, yes, that were failures, and what I really felt more pressed to talk about were the internal things that Good. happen yep. that are failures, because here's what I think is true, Charlie. Everybody that's stepping into ministry, mm-hmm. we're we're all human beings, right? Right. So we've got our own experiences. We've got some wounds. We've got some baggage. We've got some things that we're bringing with us that lead to imposter syndrome, that lead to insecurities. Mm-hmm. And here's what's happening if we're not really careful. We're starting to use our ministry as a platform to deal with our own insecurities. Yeah. And when that happens, what we end up doing is we make the people and the ministry for us instead of us being for the people in our ministry. Wow. And there's a tension that if, if we can't address those internal things, we're just going to repeat the same mistakes and mm-hmm. the same failures over and over and over again. So what you're saying is it's really easy to go back and look at the tactical mistakes like, oh, we didn't order enough pizza. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We didn't make it. We didn't have enough gas. We didn't have enough buses. Or I thought this event was going to be killer, and we were going to reach hundreds and hundreds of students, and like yeah. five people showed up. Yes. You know. It, yeah. Th- listen, that's inevitable too. Yeah. Right. And you learn from that. And what I think is, it's much easier to recover from those mistakes than it is to deal with your own heart 
uh-uh. and wrestle down some of that stuff that prevents those mistakes happening in the long term. So, Andy, we didn't even wait to the end of the podcast to get to the big punch because that's really it. Um, mm-hmm. As we dig in a little bit with Andy, talking about not the surface failures. Mm-hmm. And actually, we, we have another podcast that kind of digs into that coming up after this one that's talking more about tactical mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to what you're talking about and th- those internal, uh, Tim Keller has a video that we might, we'll post on this podcast that talks about not making ministry your idol. Yes. And so uh, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I, you know, it's pretty amazing, but can I ask you a couple questions about Please. the internal? So Please. what happens when somebody fails to really look at themselves mm-hmm. after a failure? I think that the first thing that happens is when you push the blame external to yourself, mm-hmm. all you're doing is setting yourself up to, to repeat the same failure again and again and again. Right. And I still think that's symptomatic. You know, there was, there was a, I heard someone speak Crawford Loretz. I don't know if you know Crawford yeah. Loretz. He was a yeah. pastor of a church in Atlanta for, for decades. He came and spoke to our staff, and this is what he said, Charlie. He said, for people who are called to ministry, Mm -hmm. it's the calling that God uses to sanctify the cult. In other words, the calling that he's entrusted to us as pastors and leaders in the local church is the very thing God wants to use to continue to make us holy and more like him. Right. But if I think the problem is everybody else, then my calling isn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting to the place where I realize, man, some of the relationships that are being damaged, some of the entitlement that maybe I'm feeling, some of the jealousy on why they picked that person for that next role instead of me, yes, doesn't have anything to do with anyone else except for me and my own deceitful heart. All right. That was just a mic drop. So can I ask a follow-up question yeah. on this? So what happens in relationship with other people, if me as a pastor, if you have a pastor, mm-hmm. fail there, yeah, how, how, what happens in all those relationships with our volunteers and and people that we ask to be a part of our ministry and our leadership? My my favorite leadership quote is right. from Simon Sinek, and all it's right. going to sound remarkably like something Jesus said. But Simon Sinek said it this way: He said, "The chief beneficiary of your leadership should be someone other than you." Mm-hmm. And when you start fleshing that out, if I can't deal with my own heart and I start using the people that God's entrusted me to lead in ministry to address my own insecurities, I am never free to serve them. I only view them through the lens of them existing to serve me and my agenda. Ooh, yeah. I, I, we can't be on this podcast and, and, and sit here and lie to everybody who's listening and watching and say, well, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Because there's seasons in life where, where, man, it's just a bad week. It's a bad month. Well, and I think for every leader, yeah, whatever the scale, whatever the size, the temptation always comes to use your leadership for your own gain mm-hmm. instead of for the gain of the people that you're leading. Yes. And, and I think it comes regularly. And I think it's the same temptation. Sometimes it comes in, uh, in different clothes, in different seasons. All right. But I think the temptation is the same. Yeah. All right, let's mix up and leave me a little bit more. Yeah. So do you think that that 
people that are on our team. So say this is you're you're counseling me. Um, does, How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we need a lot of time, and yeah. I don't have enough money <laughs> to pay I, you to listen, counsel me. Yeah. So, but like if, if I'm having those kinds of failures as a leader, how much of that bleeds down, and mm-hmm. and does that influence the way my leaders under me lead people beneath them? Without a doubt, without Ooh. a doubt, because here's what's true: sometimes we think, and I don't want to say we. Sometimes I think. All right that no one knows where my insecurities are. I think I'm keeping them secret, right? Yeah. You know who knows every one of your insecurities? Maybe better than you do. Your team. Your team and the people you're leading, <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if I, if I went to my team and I said, hey, guys, point out where I'm insecure, they would probably have, they may, they may already have a list on their phone ready to go. Yeah. We were waiting for you to ask, Andy. Here's where, here's where they are. Yeah. Um, but if you don't address it as a leader and you don't even have the humility or authenticity to acknowledge that it might exist, that leads to a, a breakdown in culture. All right. Because if you are using your leadership for your own gain, then the people that you've been entrusted to lead can't trust you. All right. And if they can't trust you, then you can't lead anybody anywhere. Because as you're well aware, Charlie, trust is the currency of leadership. Mm-hmm. Trust is the currency of leadership. So <laughs> keep on digging a little bit more on this one. We have a lot of people who are on this, listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot, a lot of years between mm-hmm. us. A lot of people listening have just a couple, or yeah. they just graduated, or they're in a residency program, and they're just now leading. How would you, as the pastor, the leader of that specific area go about, and this is a big switch from what we're talking about, helping someone else that you see having this problem. Maybe they're, and this is true for a lot of people. This is true for me. I'm 22 years old and I've got 40 and 50 year olds that are on my team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they respect me at all. Mm -hmm. But then I see some of these things that you're talking about in them. How do I, as a leader, help the people I'm leading see this in themselves. Yeah. I think the the first way is, and this is true for leaders in every capacity, leaders always go first. Oh, good. Yeah. Leaders always go first. Mm-hmm. And so you you have to earn the right to pastor those people on your team. Yeah. If you're the 22-year-old student pastor, the 22-year-old resident, you're in your first job in ministry out of college, and you've got 40, 50, 60-year-old people that are on your team and that you're leading. Right. You've got to you've got to earn their trust and earn their respect. And the way that you do that is you raise your hand and go, "Hey guys, I just want to be real honest with you. I feel very confident where we're headed, but I'm also not a perfect leader. And so I'm going to make some mistakes along the way, and mm-hmm. when I make a mistake, I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can to make it right." I here's what I think, Charlie. I think we confuse healthy and perfect. And they're not the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Healthy means that I will, I am committed to getting better when I see that something is wrong. All right. Right? Perfect is a goal that we can't reach in leadership or in ministry. All right. And so we've got to lean into health. And health raises its hand and says, hey, that, that was not right. Hey, what I said to you just then was not right. What, what was happening pushed on an insecurity that I had, pushed on a wound that I had, and I reacted toward you 
All right. In a way that was unkind, unhelpful, unbiblical. And so I'm committed to our relationship being good. Yeah. And when you go first, it opens the door for them to first trust you, mm-hmm. but then also to follow suit. Because as a leader, whether you're 22, 52, whatever, you're always far more likely to reproduce who you are than what you say. And when you model that as a leader, it invites your whole team to come with you on that journey. Wow. All right. I, I just want to keep on going yeah. on this. Yeah, please. So you're processing that. You're, you're modeling that. I mean, we hear all the time that more is, you know, caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And now you see this happening. What do you do in a situation where, um, you know, you, you want to model it, but the people that you're leading or a person refuses to change? Yeah. I think then that's, that's a hard conversation. Yeah. That's a hard conversation because one of the things you're, you're predominantly entrusted with as the leader of anything is the culture of what you're leading. Yes. And, you know, if I, if I were going to coach a leader, one of the things I would say that you have to be dogmatic about is protecting the culture of what you're leading. Mm-hmm. And so when there's someone who you've come to and you've had conversations and you've pastored and you've cared and you've leaned in, you come back and go, hey, there's, there's something happening here. And it's not jiving together. There's the culture of who we want to be, and then that's where we currently are. Yeah. And we've got to either make a choice to align mm-hmm. or we've got to make a choice to go a different direction. There was a guy that mentored me a long time ago, uh, probably longer ago than I care to admit out loud on this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does leadership consulting at, at, in Pennsylvania. But before he did that, he was, he was head of HR for a company. And I was talking to him about this exact situation. And this is what he said. He said, hey, I've never fired anybody. But I have agreed with them on a decision they've already made. That's really good. And so what you're doing with that person is unwilling to make the changes required. What you're saying is that I'm going to agree with you about the decision you made to keep going the direction you were going, which means that we are now going in opposite directions. Yes. And so our team and our ministry is going to keep going this way. And that may mean that you're not able to come with us. Now, when the day comes that you're able to come join us again, welcome you back with open arms with some boundaries and accountability. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I want to circle back around now, yes. going, going back to us individually. I felt like there were times where I wanted personally to, to take the next step. And for whatever reason, it might have been just because everybody else was busy Life was hectic for everybody else. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, investment in me, mm-hmm. you know, from other people on staff or maybe even the, the senior leader. And I've, I'm great friends with every pastor that I've ever served under. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful to them. And so I feel very fortunate that I could have gone anytime to any one of them and had this conversation. So I'm, I just want to say that out loud, but we've been around a lot and we know that's not always the case. What do you do in a situation where it's like, I don't know who to bounce this off. I don't, yeah. I don't really don't know if, if, if what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking, you know, maybe what the Holy Spirit is showing to me, it's like, who's safe for me to be that vulnerable with? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
first of all, I, I agree with what you said, Charlie. I've been really fortunate, especially in this portion of my ministry career, to be able to have mm-hmm. people around me that that I just respect and admire tremendously. Mm-hmm. But I think we also had some seasons where maybe that wasn't as much the case. Yes. The first thing I would say is this. I, I think there's it's easy to fall into the trap that we think it's everybody else's job above us to develop us. Wow. And yeah. I don't know that that's a fair expectation. Uh, that's a really good thought. Yeah. When, 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 for me, the thing that unlocked my growth and development as a leader that really helped me move in the right direction was when I decided that I was going to own it. But the first part to owning your development is being honest about where you currently are. Yeah. And that requires a level of self-awareness. And so the first place to start, and this is an exercise, honestly, I still do it regularly. I... In my quiet time every morning, I'm a, I'm a morning person. I get up early, so mm-hmm. you may want to do it at a different time of day. I open up my calendar from the previous day, and I look at the meetings that I had and the tasks that I was doing, the things that had to get done that day, and I just pray this prayer. It's the same prayer David prayed in the Psalms. I want to invite the Holy Spirit in to search my heart, and I want the Holy Spirit to search my heart not just on the actions that I did, but on the motivations that sat under those actions. Mm-hmm. Why did I get angry in that meeting? Why did I get defensive when that person said an idea that was different than my idea? Why, why did I feel insecure when they picked that person to lead that project instead of me? All right. And I take that to God because it's not anybody else's job to settle it for me. It's between me and the Holy Spirit. And the best part about the gospel is the gospel works. Yeah. Right? It heals. So I think that's the first step. And then I think the second step is if you're looking around and saying, hey, there's no one around me that I can go to this level of vulnerability with. I'm a big fan, and I'll be the first to tell you, I've used it many times, uh, is to go to see a counselor. Yeah, absolutely. To go to see a counselor. Because if you're committed to leading from a healthy place, what's true is healthy leaders lead healthy teams, and healthy teams build healthy churches. And so it's, it's going to a place where you go like, hey, I'm going to, this is so important to me to wrestle it down that I am going to invest in my own health as a leader to make sure that I reproduce that in the lives of other people. Wow, Annie, this is really good. So as we kind of come to the end of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple parting shots. And uh, if we're having some deep conversation uh, with somebody out there that's listening who's a part of the podcast, I would say number one, and then if I add mine, you just add yours. Sure. Number one, live the fight another day. Mm-hmm. Do not get so discouraged with something that you do externally. We're talking like tactically versus what we spent the vast majority of the time talking about this internal leadership development, understanding your failures. Don't think that what you're in is the end. It's just a part of the process. Don't stop trying. Don't give up. I agree with that 100%. One of uh, The first senior pastor I worked for uh, when I was fresh out of college and in my first student ministry role, this is what he said. He said, Andy, listen, you've got to take the long view. Take yeah. the long view of success, not the short view, because here's what's true in ministry. You know this. Yeah. I know this. I guarantee you everybody listening to the podcast knows this, that there are days you win and there are days you lose. And sometimes there is a meeting that you win, and right after that you have a meeting where you lose. <laughs> yeah. Right? And if you take the short view, man, you're up and down and you you come out of the win, you feel like a million bucks and you come out of the loss, you go like, man, 
maybe I should just, you know, I, let me do anything else but ministry. But when you, when you force yourself to take the long view, what you're saying is, I'm committed to building the kingdom for a lifetime. Yes. And even though there's losses in the short term, you, you get back up and you fight again. Yes. You get back up and you fight again. You know, I, I do a Bible study with the football team here at mm-hmm. Indiana Wesleyan, and, and uh, uh, I was listening to the coach talk to the team, and they, they, they're they 3-0, won three in a row, and he's in practice saying, we got to keep stringing wins together. Mm-hmm. You know, keep stringing those wins together. Mm-hmm. I think that's true in everything that you've been teaching us today, Andy, is like, just keep on stringing, even if they're little wins. Well, and, and that's what's true, Charlie, because little wins lead to big wins. Yeah. Right? That's kingdom economy. When you're faithful with a few things, mm-hmm. I will make you ruler over many things. That's what Jesus taught us. That's the kingdom economy. Yeah. And so a football team gets to 3-0, and not just because of the score on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but because they won that down, that every player on that team did their part to win mm-hmm. their role. To, to help that play win. Yes. Right? But here's what's true. Sometimes the play doesn't win. What would happen to a football team if after one play failed? They're like, oh, I'm sick of this. I'm done. I'm out. Exactly. That's not, You go like, nope. We, listen, you know what happens after first down? If we lose on first down, guess what's coming? Second down. Yeah. So you got to get back up on second down and then go for it again. See, that what Andy just described is the difference between a coach and a fan. Mm-hmm. A fan will go off after one failure. Mm-hmm. A fan expects every play to score a touchdown or, or to be a sack. But a coach understands that it's, it's a process of failure and success. And when you string them together, yes. the cumulative effect can be a win. Well, and then there's, there's never a game where a team wins on every single play on every single down. Right. It just never happens. Yes. And if it doesn't happen there, why should we expect it to happen in our ministry? Yeah. Maybe the problem is we just need to have better expectations. That's exactly where we should end. <laughs> that is, there's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Man, thanks for being here. Charlie, thanks so much. This was a blast. We had this little tradition and so uh, at the end of every podcast, Eddie says boom, and then I say boom. So it's boom and boom. So it, you got to start it, so I, I have to end it. Boom and boom. We would like to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Western University for allowing us to use their podcast studio and their facilities. I also want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Once again, thank you for listening to a couple of old guys talking about ministry principles. We have over 70 years of ministry experience, and we'll see you next week.